How's everyone doing? Yes, you're doing great. I am doing great as well. I am really excited about being here today, and let me tell you why. Because I've been praying all morning that God helps me get out of the way so that He can do His thing. And that is always a good thing to pray. At least in my case. Always a good thing. So, this morning we're going to continue with our series called um, Forever in Luke. I know that for some of you it feels like we've been in Luke forever, and we have, but I want to tell you how, how amazing that is. I think it's really great that we've been taking the time to, to go deep into the scriptures and to do that together as a community, because that is so powerful, and I don't think we realize how, how powerful that is. Because most of us, when we come to church, every morning, every Sunday, we wake up and, and many of us hope to show up here and hear a word that is going to bless me. Or we hope to hear uh, some kind of teaching that's going to give me hope. Or we hope to hear uh, whatever the pastor has to say. We hope that is going to speak into my problem. And there's nothing wrong with that. We are to come here and ask for those things from God. But when we receive that, usually what happens is that when we, when we embrace that blessing, when we embrace that word or that teaching, our journey ends there. We just keep it to ourselves. And we forget that part of our, our journey of, of growing in the word as part of our community is that whatever blessing we get is meant to bless someone else someone else. So before we open our Bibles today, uh, I want to ask you to, to open your heart first so that, so that we can allow God to go deep into our hearts and, and teach us something new, something fresh about what it means to grow in community. So let us, let us do that first. Father God, we, we want to pause right now and come before you and open up our hearts and ask you to go deep inside of us we want to hear from you we want to hear something fresh we want to learn how to be a good neighbor we want to um, learn how to be a good steward especially a good steward of the blessings that you give us so have your way holy spirit not the holy spirit <laughs> have your way in jesus name amen all right so our passage today is Luke 17, verses 1 through 6. And uh, it's a little bit of a random message. Jesus has given us a lot of teaching. So what we're going to do is that we're going we're gonna to read the whole thing first. And then we're going to break it down. And we're going to go by one, by one by one. And we're going to highlight three uh, disciplines or three attitudes, if you will, that Jesus is inviting us to embrace and to, and to share with others around our communities. And it says like this, Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone for whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourself. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back 
to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. And he replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. All right, there's a lot going on in this passage. But the first thing we need to know is that Jesus begins this passage saying, uh, addressing the disciples, specifically the disciples. This, this section is part of a larger message that Jesus was preaching. And he started preaching it back in chapter 15 when he started talking about the kingdom of God and he talked about the parable of the, of the lost coin and the lost sheep. And then he talked about the parable of the uh, prodigal son and then he talked about the shrewd manager. And then last week we talked about uh, the rich man and Lazarus. Remember all those parables? Mm-hmm. Good. That's really good. So when, when he was saying all those things, he was talking about the kingdom of God, but he was talking to the entire crowds. He was talking to everyone who was there. The disciples, the Pharisees, the onlookers, the bypassers, those that were just curious about who this Jesus was. And what he was saying is that, um, this, uh, sorry, this time he stops talking to everyone. He starts addressing just the disciples. And that is very important for us to know because when we read the gospels, We realize that every time that Jesus talks to the masses, to everyone that's out there, people that don't know him, people that uh, don't have a relationship with him, what he does is that he presents the kingdom of God to them and he says, this is what it looks like. You can either embrace it or you can reject it. I am not going to force you. But when he addresses his disciples, when he talks to those that know him, those that have a relationship with him, those that have decided to follow him, to those people, to us today, he says, my teachings are not, are not an option for you. They are not. Because the moment you agree to step into relationship with me, to begin a journey with me, you agree to share that journey with others. Because you are not meant to grow alone. To become you jo- the, the moment you join the kingdom, you become part of something greater than you. And it is no longer you who live, but Christ in you. And Christ wants all of us to be part of one body. So with that in mind, with that idea that we uh, have a responsibility before our brothers and sisters, with that, through that angle is through which we are going to read the passages again. And we're just going to highlight a few things, not everything, but just something about what Jesus wants us to do. So let's go back to verse 1, where he says, Jesus said to, to his disciples, to those that know him, to those that have a relationship with them, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. But woe to anyone for whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. Now, when people read this, we bring, we read the last part and we see that there is some kind of punishment going on. If we mess up, we say, oh my goodness, so there's, there's always going to be something that makes people stumble, but woe to me if I'm the one. And if I do that, something's going to happen to me. I'm going to be thrown off into the sea with a big rock around my neck and I'm going to drown. I better not make a mistake. And we stop there and we don't try to discover what Jesus is saying to us. We live out of fear. 
And, and I'm not saying there's not a consequence to, to, to our actions, but I don't want to focus on that part. I want to focus on what Jesus is actually inviting us to do. And that has to do with, with the instruction to make sure we don't cause people to stumble. So, so what does stumble mean? Let us, let us unpack that word. The word stumble in Greek is the word scandalon, from where we get the word tackle. Scandal. Scandal, obviously. And that word means, so it can mean many different things, but at its most uh, basic uh, definition, it, it, it basically is talking about an obstacle, something that gets in the way. And, and most translations just use one of the many diff- different meanings that talk about causing people to sin. But act- actually, there's something that comes prior to causing people to sin, and, and that is getting in the way of what God is trying to do in people's lives. Because our role, when it comes to the community, our role is to be a bridge. A role, a role is to be an ambassador of Christ, to bring people together. And when that doesn't happen, we become an obstacle. So instead of being a bridge, we become a wall. Let me put it this way. Imagine that as a community, we live in, in one big city. And in that city, uh, the purpose of that city is for its citizens to, to connect with one another and to connect with God who is at the center. Now, God who is at the center decides to use the people around the city to make all those connections and all those bridges for, for a relationship to happen. And so the citizens have a choice. They can either be a bridge or they can be a wall. And most of us don't realize that we hardly ever become that bridge because we are so afraid with what we're going to do that we just play it safe. But God is asking us to, to, walk, to, to live into the reality that the Holy Spirit works through us, in and through us, to bless someone else around us. So, so how, how do we become a well? How do we become an obstacle? Well... One of the ways in which I become an obstacle in in God's work in the kingdom is when I know that he's asking me to do something for someone else and I choose to just postpone it. So that blessing, that that connection that is meant to happen, I get in the way. Another way in which I become a wall is when someone makes a mistake and I know that God is asking me to offer grace and instead I offer judgment. I'm not building a bridge between that person and God. I'm just being an obstacle. There's many ways in which we become obstacles, but I think and I want to suggest and present to you that what Jesus is saying is not just watch out with what you do, lest you make someone fall. What he's asking us to do is watch out with what you do and how you behave and how you respond to me, lest you become an obstacle in my kingdom. So the first lesson that we see here when it comes to community, again, I'm I'm just talking uh, about growth and responsibility in the context of community. The first lesson we have is that when it comes to our role in the society and the responsibility we have to build that city, that community that God has, has entrusted us as ambassadors, our role is to be a bridge and never a wall. We're talking about obedience here. Then the next verse, in the next verse, Jesus says, So, watch yourselves, 
If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive. Now, when we're a part of a community, the, the one thing that we know that will for sure happen is that people are going to hurt each other. That's a given because we show up all broken. And Jesus knows that, so he's, he addresses that. And he talks to us about the power of forgiveness. Uh, and he talks about how we should forgive. And he talks about um, the reality that someone's going to offend us. And it doesn't matter how many times they offend us. Our role is to forgive. And, and more, than t- more than talking about the seven times or, or how you should forgive, I want to talk about the power of forgiveness. Because I think Jesus is getting at that. He's just telling us that no matter what, we are to forgive. Why is that? Well, I want to tell you a story before I, I describe anything. I'm going to let the story uh, describe what, what forgiveness can do. And it happened to me uh, a few years back, about five, four years ago. Um, I had a really, really close friend whose name I'm going to change. Let's say her name was Danielle. And we were very close and we had an awesome friendship. And I also had a, a really, really cute boyfriend whose name I'm going to change, and I'm just going to say he was Ralph. Will. Sorry if you're Ralph. Uh, I just thought of Ralph, the big guy. Um, so Ralph and Danielle. Oops. It just came out. I, I'm getting out of the way, so it's probably not me doing that. Uh, I just made it worse. So my two friends, my best friend, And my boyfriend, they decided to behave like they were more than friends. My boyfriend decided to cheat on me with my best friend. And that hurt really, really bad. It wounded me so bad. I did not know what to do. I was furious. I felt like my my blood was boiling. I started to wish many horrible things uh, that I hope would happen to both of them. And then one day I couldn't take it. I just went up to her. He lived in another country, so I could only address her. And I rebuked her. And I went off. And I told her, how could you do that to me? And he, he denied the whole thing. And after I told him, I mean told her, all the evidence I had, she couldn't deny it anymore. And it was the most weird uh, kind of apology, kind of not saying she did it, but kind of saying I'm sorry, but it was not what you think. And you know how those things go? And then he just walked away and I was left there with my pain and with my anger, with my rage. And then I never saw her again for a long time. And I went home and weeks went by and I could still feel that rage inside of me. And I was still thinking those horrible thoughts about her and about him. And and one day I realized that I could not live like this anymore because it was destroying who I was. And so what I chose to do was to forgive her. And I, for, and I chose to do this without her even knowing that I was going to forgive her. And I prayed and prayed and prayed. And I told God that I really wanted to forgive her because I did not want to live like that. And then, and then that was it. And I felt nothing. And I said, okay, I, I, I feel like I truly forgave her. I did not know the power of what had just happened until two years later that I bumped into her at a shopping mall. 
And I saw her walking, and she did not see me. And I went, Danielle! It's weird to call her a different name. <laughs> Friend, let's just call her Amiga. Amiga! And I walked up to her, and I hugged her, and I was so excited to see her, and she looked a little puzzled, but I just, how are you, Friend? She said, I'm good. <laughs> Tell me about you. Well, you know, I've been working, and, and I could feel that she was just not very friendly. And I said, well, you know, you know, when you're smart and you know when people don't want to talk to you, I have that gift. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I guess she doesn't want to talk to me. So I'll, I'll see you later. And so I just went my own way. And after like two or three steps, I realized, oh, I should be mad at her. What did I just do? I'm such a fool. And that's when I discovered how powerful forgiveness was because I had removed every single thing, every single seed, a bad seed in my heart that could have fueled rage, that could have fueled anger, that could have fueled verbal violence. There was nothing in there. That is how powerful forgiveness is. And so that's something that I did once. And I grew so much. And when we hear Jesus saying, Hey, if people sin against you seven times in a day, and seven times they come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. Now, he's saying seven times in a day. Do you think that repentance is genuine? If someone slaps you and says, Sorry, I repent. Sorry, I repent. Seven times that... That is not a genuine uh, repent, repentance. But that doesn't matter because what Jesus is trying to get at is that the practice of you forgiving others is good for your heart. It's good for you. It's good for us. And then he says this, this part, he makes sure he talks about rebuking the person when you are to forgive that person because that is really important. We cannot do one without the other. Because this is what happens when we do them in isolation. If there is a situation where you need to rebuke someone, but you're not willing to forgive them, what, you, what you're doing, you're just passing judgment. And you're not being a bridge. You're being an obstacle. You're getting in the way. Now on the other side, when you forgive someone without rebuking them, you uh, foster, or it could, it could be the situation that you foster abuse. Because many times in church, when people talk about forgiving, they never talk about rebuking. And then spouses that are abusive or spouses that are abused just think, well, I'm just meant to forgive. And then they're abused and they forgive and they're abused and they forgive and they never rebuke. And rebuking someone when you're willing to forgive is an offering to them for their growth in Christ. Amen. So the power of forgiveness is great. And Jesus says, whenever someone uh, sins against you, forgive them. Not once or twice. Not just seven times, but always. Because that is good for our souls. Be a bridge and not a wall. And when you're given the opportunity to forgive, forgive always. Now, what Jesus is asking us is hard. It's really, really hard. And when, when he was saying these things to the disciples, they knew how hard it was. So what did he say? What did they say? 
they said to Jesus, increase our faith. It felt impossible to them. They knew they could not do it in their own strength. So what did they do? They asked for more faith. And what did Jesus do? Oh, sure, here you go. No. He doesn't give them what they think they want, they need. He offers them advice, what they should do. He says, listen, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. What he's saying to them, in other words, is, listen guys, you do not need more faith. You need to put your faith to work, and that is different. Because the size of your faith does not matter. It doesn't matter at all. In fact, if you were to talk to a mulberry tree, which looks just like that, Sienna, that is a gorgeous painting. Is Sienna here? No, second service. I'll tell that to her again. That is what the tree looks like. People back then knew those trees. They knew them well. It was like an evergreen here. They knew that those trees had the deepest and longest roots. Of all the trees in that area, the mulberry tree had the deepest roots. So what Jesus is saying, look, do not ask for more faith. That doesn't matter. Because however big or small it is, it's, pow- it's powerful, powerful enough. If you were to ask a mulberry tree whose roots are deep, deep, deep into the earth, into the ground, you would say something to that tree. You would ask it to uproot itself and move, and it would do so. And the, and the, the roots of the tree, what, what, what do they represent? The things that hold us back. Things that get in the way. The root sometimes is something that prevents us from, from forgiving someone else. So in another, actually in another gospel, in the gospel of, of Matthew, when Jesus talks about faith and about it being the size of a mustard seed, what he says is if you um, had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could, move, you could ask a mountain to move and it would obey you. So we have a mountain and we have a mulberry tree. And what Jesus is doing here is genius. Because he's asking the disciples to use their imagination. He's saying, imagine that tree. Imagine the roots. Imagine that mountain and see how huge it is. It's all happening in their imagination. And the reason why Jesus is asking them to use their imagination is because it's in their imagination and in their minds that they fight their battles. And that's the same for us. It is right here. Where we decide if we are going to make it or not. It is right here where we decide if we're worth it or not. It is right here if we decide that we're going to trust what Jesus is asking us to do or not. So he's saying whatever root is keeping you from moving around, from being free in the kingdom of God. You just need to use your faith to uproot it. However big that mountain is before you. You don't need to worry about its size. It doesn't matter. Because with this much faith... You can make it move. That's powerful stuff. That's powerful stuff. What are the mountains that you have in your life? What are the mulberry trees that you have in your life? I had a tree um, in my heart and in my whole body actually 
a few years back. And this is a story that I've shared many times with all of you, but I felt like I had to share it again. Because that was the first time I used faith, decisive a mustard seed. And that's when I walked again. For nine months, I was in bed without moving at all. Well, just my head. That's not a lot. And every single doctor told me that I would never walk again. Ever. I had picked my wheelchair. It was bright, like my shoes. I had decided I was going to go to Special Olympics or do something with that powerful wheelchair because it had the wheels like that. I was literally rooted to my bed and I could not move and everybody told me that I would never move again. And then one day I read the scriptures and this was probably the first or second time I was reading the Gospels and I came across this passage, this very passage. And I read that all I needed was faith the size of a mustard seed. And I googled the size of a mustard seed because I had never seen one. And I realized that it was tiny. So I told my mom, hey ma, I should try to get up. And she said, no, you should not. That's dangerous. I said, but you, you told me to read the scriptures. And I'm reading right here that all I need is faith the size of a mustard seed. And I've got that. It's really small, but it says I should use it. So let's try. Her faith was half the size of a mustard seed because she said, you're going to fall. And I said, I'm going to walk. And most of you know the rest of the story. Someone handed me a walker and they helped me get up and I was able to hold myself. I still had enough strength in my arms to hold myself. And I took a little step. And then I took another and I realized that I was walking and I fell back on my uh, bed because I was crying. I was bawling. Because that tree that had me rooted in the bed had been uprooted and I felt like I was floating in the sea with my Jesus. That was a powerful experience. And what happened after that is that my faith, the size of a mustard seed, and my willingness to use it blessed everyone around me. The entire nurse department came to see me and they were bawling and some of them were on their knees and they were praising God. Some of them were figure, were trying to figure out what was happening because they did not believe in God. And that was a testimony to everyone. And that's why we need to use your fa- our faith, not just to experience the miracles ourselves, but to have those miracles bless the lives and the faith of someone else. That's why Jesus is talking about that here. He's saying, listen, there is a whole lot of things you can do. There is a whole lot of things you can do to grow your faith. But whatever you do, make sure what you do blesses others. So when you come to church, consider, just consider every now and then, if whatever you hear from up here, it might be for someone else. And if there is something that is for someone else and God tells you to go and say it, go and say it. Go and say it. Don't get in the way. Be a bridge. Expand the kingdom. And while you do that, if you get offended, if someone hurts you, if someone does something against you, forgive them. Always, because that's going to be good for you. 
And when you forgive them, make sure you rebuke them in love because that's going to help them and it's going to make them grow. And if you feel like all of this is really hard, then just use your faith. Don't ask me to do more because I've given you enough. Go for it. Step into it and you'll see what I can do with that. When we live our lives like that, the body of Christ grows. Everyone around us grows. And God gets glorified through every single thing we do. Every single thing we do. If God is saying anything to you today, I want to, I don't know if I want to challenge you or if I want to just invite you. You pick the one you want. To close your eyes and before we pray to end the sermon, I want to ask you to intercede for someone else to be a bridge and not an obstacle because there might be someone in your life that God is asking you to reach out, to approach, to build a bridge across them. Maybe there is someone in your life that God is asking you to forgive. And maybe they've come to you once, twice, three times and you still haven't forgiven them. Or maybe there's someone who doesn't believe God is for them, that he's against them. Maybe they don't have any faith left in them. And you need to remind them that they don't need a lot. They just need a little bit. If there is someone that you can bless with that, I invite you to include them in in your prayer as we close this. God, thank you so much for your love. Thank you so much for inviting us to partner with you in your kingdom. To be bridges between people, between your creation and you. I thank you because you've given us the power to forgive. You've given us the power to extend that to others. I thank you because you've given us faith. And because you've given us just enough just enough to do great things to do wonderful things Holy Spirit we want to ask you that you convict us that you guide us that you lead us that you show us who are those people around us with whom we need to connect who are those people around us that need to hear a word and encouragement Give us the strength and the courage to forgive those who hurt us. Those who do it repeatedly. Those who do it every day. Give us the courage to forgive them. But give us also the courage to rebuke them in love. So they can see you. So they can hear you so they can grow in you. Father God, we lift just everything before you. And we thank you. We thank you for all the work you do in us and through us. In Jesus' name. Amen.